Good morning, New Beginnings Christian Community Church, family and friends. I'm Pastor Alfredo Peña, and I want to welcome you to our service this morning. We're excited that you have joined us today. This morning, we've already enjoyed and joined together in worship. We have celebrated communion, and now we come to this intimate moment in which we um, listen to God's word um, through this message. Let us pray this morning. Most living and loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of our faith. And we thank you, Father God, for um, being able to come together this morning, God, all um, across the city and all across the world, God, all the different churches this morning, God, um, the churches without walls coming together, God, to um, glorify and magnify your holy name. I ask, Holy One, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, God, be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And I ask, Father God, that you remove any gaps between your will and my words. Make me small this morning, God. Empty me of myself so that your message and that you may be magnified. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, um, the scripture reading for today is in the book of John, chapter uh, 20, verses 19 through 31. And John 20, 19 through 31. And it says this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You know, as I was preparing for this message, uh, I thought about um, a couple of things. And, and one of them is, I thought about, you know, Bible stories that, that we have learned in time and that, that we've accepted them and learned them a certain way. And then when we go back to the scripture, we realize that the way we've learned it is not really very accurate. Uh, for example, uh, the one that, that is the biggest one that comes to mind is the story of the three kings. 
You know, every Christmas card, every Christmas play, every Christmas scene, when it comes to, to the birth, when it comes to the stable, we always see the three kings, the three wise men in the picture. However, when you look at the scripture, when you look at the story, you realize that the three kings, the, the wise men, were not there at the time of the birth. They, they didn't come into Jesus' life until a couple of years later. And so, so, you know, but you've learned it a certain way all this time. And so you think, wow, you know, I, I had it wrong all this time. And then to find out that they really weren't kings, to find out that it really wasn't just three of them, that it might have been probably more than them, you know, you kind of think, wow, isn't it amazing how you've learned something a certain way for so many years and you realize it's not very accurate. Another thing that came to my mind was um, when you do a little bit of name association with some of these um, characters in the scriptures in the Bible. You know, when, if I mentioned to you the name of Peter, you know, the first thing that might come to your mind is that Peter was bold, that, that he was reactive, he was impulsive. Um, I read somewhere that said Peter had a foot-shaped mouth because he kept on putting his foot in his mouth. Um, if I mentioned to you John, then, then you would think about the beloved. If I mentioned uh, Judas, well, that's an easy one, right? The betrayer, because he betrayed Jesus. Um, and if I bring up Thomas, well, that's another easy one, right? Because we say, well, Thomas was the doubter. We, we, we know him as doubting Thomas. And so today, I'll, we're going to look at Thomas, because I think there's value in understanding that story. Um, because we define Thomas by the fact that, that he didn't believe. Uh, we, we call him Doubting Thomas. 2,000 years later, we're still calling him Doubting Thomas. And it's interesting how we, we get to define people um, by some of the actions that they took. And unfortunately, it's not always the highest points of their lives that defines them. Um, in Thomas's case, we look at maybe one of the lowest moments in his life, and that is what we use to define him. And isn't that the way it is in life today? And where many times it is maybe something that we did in our past that um, defines us, and, and for some reason, years later, people tend to define um, us still in the same way. So there's why, that's why I think there's a lot of value in this story, and we're going to look at this story a little deeper. Just a little bit of background, um, and the scene here is, this is a week later. This is after, uh, a week after the resurrection. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, the disciples are here, they're, they're behind closed doors, they're locked into a room, and, and Scripture tells us that they were scared. Now, this is the interesting part, church, because um, a week before, when, when they thought Jesus had died, um, they were locked in a room, scared. And then they know of the resurrection, and they know that, that Jesus is no longer in the tomb, that the tomb is empty, and, and the angels have, have declared that, that he's no, no longer there. And then here is a week later, after the resurrection, and they're still in a room, locked behind closed doors. And isn't it interesting that a week later, after, after such amazing information, nothing has changed. They're still in the same place. And, and I think about, isn't that something that we can look at our own lives today? You know, last week we celebrated 
Resurrection Sunday. We celebrated Easter and we were reminded of, of, of how powerful um, the story is and, and how powerful the resurrection is. And, and we were reminded that, you know, it's not just a, a holiday. It's not just something that we, that we celebrate. It is actually the core um, of our faith. And we are, we are reminded that the, of the importance of that. And then I would ask you, a week later, here we are. What is different? What has changed from, from a week ago when, when we were reminded of the resurrection? When, when we have said things like, you know, especially with this situation right now, when we've said things like, you know, the, the church is not empty, the church has been deployed. When we, when we say that, that the church is not empty, it is a church without walls, then what have we done differently this week? It's important that we understand that Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is not just an event is not just a, a holiday, it's not just a day, it's actually um, a lifestyle. It is something that we, we should remember every day. But I think it's important that, that we understand that, that it is also a process. Just like they didn't get it right away, I think we as a church, we as Christians, need to be patient and understand that not everybody gets it right away. Now, there are some people that, that get it immediately, that, that they come to Christ and, they, and everything becomes straight and, and everything is aligned and, and, and hallelujah for them is great, you know, praise God. But then there are some of us that not necessarily um, get it right away. And um, it takes us some time. It is a process. Um, but today we're going to look at um, some life application points that I think are going to be important. So let's go back to Thomas a little bit, because I think this is important. Thomas is defined as doubting Thomas. But you know, Thomas was a brave man. We don't know a whole lot about Thomas. Um, actually, Thomas speaks for the first time in the book of John. The other Gospels just mentioned Thomas, but um, they don't tell us very much about him. John gives us a little more of a, of a window into, into Thomas. But what we do see in the book of John is that, that Thomas was a brave man. In fact, in, in John 11, uh, 16, it says, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. This is Thomas. Thomas was willing to die for Jesus. He was willing to die um, to follow him. And then in chapter 14, verse 5, um, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? This is when Jesus is telling them that he is going to have to leave, but that he will come back, and he tells them, where I go, you will go one day. And, and, and here we see how committed Thomas is and, and how much he, 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 he believes in, in Jesus that he's saying, but how will we know? In other words, I want to make sure that I don't miss it, that, 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 I, that I go wherever you go. And how will we know that? So we see how passionate he was. We see how committed he was. We see how brave he was. But yet, that's not what we remember about him. What we remember about him is the fact that he had that moment in where he doubted. And that's why I think there's value in this story. Because there are some, some points that we need to look at um, here today. The first life application point that maybe would answer the question of what happened to Thomas? Where was he? 
When, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, where was Thomas? What happened to him? And here's life application point number one. Disillusionment produces serious results. Now, we don't know where he was. You know, he might have been out grocery shopping. Um, he might have been out feeding the sheep. We don't know where he was. But there are some things that I think um, we, can, we can pull from if we know the story of Thomas and we study it a little deeper. So, so one of the things that we could say is that, that he was so disillusioned. He was so heartbroken. You know, he believed in Jesus to the point that he was willing to die with him. And then this happened. So I, I imagine that he was saying, how did this happen? You know, we've all given our lives to follow him. And, and, and this is how it ends. We, we saw him resurrect Lazarus. We saw him do some amazing miracles and he couldn't save himself. I don't understand. I don't get it. And, and maybe that's why he was so um, disillusioned and, and maybe that's why he wasn't with the disciples. And, and the reason I say that is because we see that still today. When, when you and I are, are get to a place of disillusion, when we get to a place where we are heartbroken, when we are disappointed because Jesus didn't answer um, the way we wanted him to answer, what is one of the first things that we do? We stop coming together, gathering with other believers. You know, so absenteeism is one of the um, things that disillusionment produces. Where we say things like, you know, why? Why go? Now, there's two ways that we can handle it. There are some people that, that welcome um, the companionship, that, that welcome being around other believers when they're going through a difficult time. But then there are those that don't. <clears throat> I've been a pastor long enough to see that unfortunately, when, when things don't seem right, when we prayed and we prayed and the words still happened, some of the times the first thing that we do is we just say, what's the use? I don't want to be around um, people. I, I don't, I'm heartbroken. And it produces what we saw here, and that is disbelief. See, Thomas was not doubting. Doubting is, 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 is an intellectual thing, it's a mind thing, it's when, when you believe, but, but you're not sure. So you can only doubt what you already believe. And it is important that we grasp the difference between doubt and unbelief or disbelief. Doubt is questioning what you believe. Unbelief is determined refusal to believe. Doubt is a struggle faced by the believer. Unbelief is a condition of the unbeliever. Unbelief is a condition of the heart. Doubt is a condition of the mind in which we, we believe, but we're still not sure about some things. But unbelief or disbelief is, is a condition of the heart. It's when we, when we tend to want to reject the truth, when we want to reject the information. And here Thomas had gotten to that point he wasn't doubting the resurrection. He was, came to a place where his foundation had been shaken and where he didn't know whether he believed anymore or not. And, and, and I think this is important and this is where I think there is a lot of value because there are people today that are listening to my voice right now 
that have gotten to that place. I have seen and I have heard the stories of I used to be committed to the church and, and I, used to, I used to be on fire for God and, and, and I was all in about Jesus and then something happened and then I was hurt so deeply I was disappointed to such a way that I just walked away. And I got to a place where I didn't even know if what I believed all these years is even true or possible anymore. So I am talking to you today. And I'm telling you that you are not listening to my voice. You're not listening to this message today by accident or coincidence. It is you that, that, that this message is for that reminds you that, that it is not, your faith was not shaken. Yes, yes, the pain happened. And yes, the disappointment happened. And I'm not minimizing any of that. But understanding something and, and believing something are two different things. See, when, when we want to understand something, it requires um, our minds to be able to grasp that. But we want to believe something, that's when it requires our faith. And today, I just, I just want you to listen to me for, for just a few moments and, and just listen to, um, and, and listen to the story of Thomas. Because he got to that point. And, and many people today just need someone to acknowledge the pain. Someone to acknowledge what they have gone through. Someone to acknowledge the disappointment. And today, I'm here to tell you, I see it. I hear you. And I believe you when you say that you're hurting. And when you say your foundation has been shaken. But I invite you to continue to listen for the rest of this message because the story does not end there. And we're going to come back to that point. But I'm also speaking to those of us that have been sitting in the pews for a while. We need to understand and acknowledge those individuals that are hurting and, and, and be patient and be loving about it. Because just like I reminded you as we started, not all of us got it right away. And when we see that absenteeism, when we see that they're not coming around anymore, when we see that they don't want to be around the people that will encourage them and support them, and, you know, and, and they, just, they just feel like you know, everything that I learned, everything that I grew up believing, I don't even know if it's true or not. This is where you and I have to be careful. And we, and we have to watch out for our brothers and sisters. You know, as, as I was uh, reading the story, it reminded me of, of a lesson I learned uh, many years ago, and, and it was about the African lion. And I thought it was powerful because, you know, the lion stalks his prey, doesn't attack right away. Sometimes he might, but, but for the most part, a successful hunt is when they, they stalk their prey for a while. They'll, they'll, they'll watch them, and, and as they're watching and they're stalking, they're getting closer and closer. But they wait until it's dark. They wait until night for them to attack, because see, they can't go very far. They can't go very long. So, so they need to be you know, effective in, in, in the killing right away, because they, they're, they're not able to go too far. So that's why they wait until it's, they get familiar with their prey and then they wait until it's dark so that they can make their attack. But the other thing that they do is they isolate 
their prey. See, see, they know that if they go against the prey in, in, in the group and the in the herd, that they're not they're not going to get very successful, or it might be dangerous for them. But they know that if they isolate one, then their hunt is going to be much more successful. And isn't that what the enemy does with us today? It, it watches us to see where, where it is that we're struggling. It waits until the nighttime. It waits until it's dark. It waits until those moments of darkness in our lives. And then it also isolates us. And when we're isolated, and when it's in those dark moments, that is when the attack from the enemy will be much more successful. And that's why we need to understand the importance of being part of a community. See, Thomas wasn't there with the group when Jesus appeared. And imagine how many, how his life would have changed a week earlier. His life would have changed completely if he had been there. And I am talking to us um, that are listening today. It is important that we are part of that community. It is important that we do gather together, even if it's doing it the way we're doing it now. Because some amazing things will happen. We will come to some amazing blessings when we are gathered together. And when we're not, then there's an opportunity for us to miss some amazing things. So church, it is important that we understand that, that disillusionment results in many things. And instead of being impatient, instead of getting frustrated, it is important that we feel activated. And that we understand what we need to do because the results can be pretty, pretty difficult, pretty serious. Here's life application point number two. It says in verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I, we have been sent and, and we have two things that are important for us to do. One is we have peace. And two is we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And are we out there doing what we're called to do? We have been sent, you know, um, on Saturday, um, we were talking to a friend of ours. And he said something that was really important. He said, you know, we're not called to go out and win souls. We are called to go out and make disciples. And so are we out there um, doing the, the things that we're supposed to do so that we can reach individuals, so that we can um, do what we have been commanded to do? But I'll start with this, and it's going to be a shock for many people. But you and I, we don't save people. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's hard to believe, but, but we're not the saviors. We, we can, we can bring, be those conduits that, that will bring people to Jesus, that will, that will get them to see Jesus, but we are not the ones that save them. And it is important as we see the story of Thomas, because Thomas didn't come to his place of, of, uh, of realizing um, about Jesus' resurrection by the experience of the disciples. He came by his own experience. And this is where you and I, we need to give that space so that people can have their own experience. We can't force people to come to Christ any more than we can force people to fall in love with us. 
I ask you this. Did you force your loved one to fall in love with you? <laughs> Maybe we try, but, but it's not possible. We can't force them, but we do know what to do. You know, we can't force them to fall in love with us, but we can create an atmosphere, an environment in where they can see how wonderful we are and how, we, how irresistible we are so that they can say, oh, I want that. Not only do I want it, I want it until death do us part. We know what to do. And I think it's important that we understand that that is the same thing that we're called to do here. No, we're not called to save people. No, we are not called to force them to come to Christ. But we are called to create an environment, to create a space in which they are able to see Christ. In where we are able to be his hands and his feet and his voice. Where they're able to look at us and the way we live our lives and say, I want that. As I'm struggling and I see you struggle, I want what you have. I want to be able to know what it is that wakes you up in the morning and what it is that keeps you going even when you're in the middle of this diagnosis, even when you're in the middle of chemotherapy, even when you're in the middle of, of, of your unemployment, and yet you still rise, and yet you still worship and you still praise, and yet you still have it in your heart to help others and to testify and to witness, I want that. Are we creating that space that is so important so that others will feel comfortable and safe to come to Jesus? You know, it is said that there's two reasons on why people are so turned off by Jesus. One is Christians. Be because um, we don't become good witnesses because we, because we focus on, on being critical of others and, and, and judgmental of others, and, and that turns people off. But the other reason that people do come to Jesus is because of Christians. Because we're able to share the good news. Because we're able to show, not just with words, but, but with our own lives and our own actions, the difference, the change that Jesus has made in our lives. Which one are you? Are people getting turned off by your relationship with religion? Or are they um, enticed and, and curious because of your relationship with Christ? Christians, it's important, especially for such a time as this, as we're going through this difficult time, it is important that you and I, and I've said this over and over, it's important that you and I take our place and that we go out and we share the good news and we be the light and we bring the peace that you and I have been recipients of. And we have the Holy Spirit that says that through the Holy Spirit, we're going to be able to do greater things than he did when he was on earth. Take your place in this, in this moment. And here's life application point number three. It says there were many other miracles that Jesus uh, performed in the end in front of the disciples, but, but they were not recorded in the book of John. But the ones that were recorded, it says, so that we may believe. And I think this is important because um, somewhere <laughs> we, we change that to think it is so that we can do. And many times we, we focus our, our development, our growth, our, our Christianity on doing. And, and yes, um, you know, faith without works is dead and, and we get that. But sometimes we do the opposite and we focus so much on the works and we focus so much on the doing and don't doing. And we forget 
that it is not about those things. It is all that is required from us is to believe. And, and, and just like we see with Thomas and what's going on in his life, we can get to that point in our lives where, where we, we can get to a place of disbelief where we know that our foundation is so shaken that we don't even know whether we believe or not. And today I'm here to tell you that is not the case, that we do believe, but we acknowledge that heartbreak and disillusionment can create that effect, that, that, that point in our lives where we think we're, 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 we're doubting and we're really not doubting. We're actually um, just questioning. Uh, we're just in, in a difficult place. And today we're here to stretch out our hand and say, come and see. Disbelief is critical for Christians. You know, I, I read that said, if you don't want to believe, if you want to reject the truth, then own it. Don't call it doubt. Doubt says, I, I believe, but, but I'm still working through it. And, and when we do that, then when we have those doubts, and that becomes the catalyst for us to spend more time on our knees praying, spend more time in the Word trying to learn, spend more time in devotion, spend more time in study. So, so when we have doubts, those, those, you cannot have faith without doubt. But, but the beautiful thing about doubt is that it can be a catalyst to push us into getting to that place and where, where we know. Disbelief? That's a whole other situation. There is a gentleman that says, and he was having a conversation with, with a person with an atheist, and he said, you know, if you tell me you're an atheist, then, then this is what I, what I believe. I believe you if you tell me that you have studied that, that you, have, you have read the Bible, that you have done your research, that you have listened to the scholars, and after you've done all of those things, you have come to the realization that you just do not believe, and that's fine. Can't do much about that, I guess, at this point. But to those people that say, I just don't believe, but you haven't done any research, you haven't really studied the Bible, you haven't read the Bible, you, you don't even take the time to listen or open to listen, then you know what, you're not an atheist, you're just lazy. I didn't say that. I read that. But I think it's true. And, and, and this is where uh, you and I, we are called to go and, and, and we are called to be the light and to share the good news. And we're going to encounter some people that, that are just not going to believe and, and we can help them through that process. And if you uh, are struggling through that piece, and then today this, this message is for you. Because sometimes we want to use the disbelief and, and reject the truth because it's not convenient for us. Because we don't, we don't want to do it. Because we know that if we do it, it's going to result in us having to do some changes or have maybe having to give up some things, and we don't want to do that. And that, that my friends, is, is not doubt. And, and so, so when we get into that moment, um, I think we need to just be honest. You know, um, there are some people that say, I, I don't believe it until I, you know, I want to have my Thomas experience. I want to see Jesus. I want Jesus to stand before me and I want to be able to touch him. And there's a preacher that said, and that can happen. That can absolutely happen. But by the time it happens, it'll be too late. Or we can, or we can believe. 
or, or we can activate our faith. See, this is a question that I've asked the congregation before, and, and you know, I said, you know, anybody out there um, met George Washington? Anybody out there seen George Washington? And, and thank God, no one has raised their hand. Um, but, but yet we believe. We believe in him. We believe that he was our president because of the history that, that we have learned. Okay, so maybe I went too far. Maybe, maybe Abraham Lincoln, has anybody out there met Abraham Lincoln? No. But, but we believe that he existed. We believe that it, that it was true. We believe in the impact that he made in our country because we know the history. Well, I'll make it a little simpler. I don't know how electricity works. I, I really don't. But I promise you this, I don't live in the dark because I don't understand it. You know, because many times we say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to believe until I understand how it works. Well, you know what? That is not true. Many things in life we, we, we believe and we do even though we don't understand. I don't know how electricity works, but all I know is that I need it in my life and, and I don't live in the dark. Here's another one. I didn't know how to cook for a long time. But it didn't mean I didn't eat. You know, it didn't mean that when I went to a restaurant, I said, I'm not going to eat that until I know what every ingredient is, is in that food. I, I, unless I understand every ingredient and how you prepared it, I'm not going to eat it. That is not what we do. So the reality is when we, when we want to take on this, I don't believe because I don't understand, there are many things in life that we don't understand and yet we believe. And, and again, this morning, this morning is a, morn, a message about encouragement. But sometimes we have to call it out and call out the truth. It is so that we may believe. And why is that important? So that we may have life. So that we may have life in abundance. I'm not going to kid you and tell you that the peace that we're talking about means that you'll never have any problems. That is not what that peace is. And, and that you may have life. Again, I'm not talking about abundance and, and material things. But it is so that we may have life and life in abundance. And, and, and as a Christian, are you living the life that you're inviting others to live? It's a powerful message this morning. So I want to go back to Thomas. Because the reality, the reality is his story did not end there. When Thomas had his own encounter with Jesus, the first thing that he said was, my Lord and my God. You know what's interesting? Scripture doesn't tell us if Thomas actually touched them. It tells us that Jesus said, look at my hands, look at my side, put your hand in here. But it doesn't tell us whether Thomas did it or not. Maybe just the encounter alone was all that he needed. And I'm here to tell you, have you had your own encounter with Jesus? Because when you've had that encounter with Jesus, it, it takes you from a place of disbelief to a place of worship. What a beautiful expression of worship by Thomas to say, my Lord and my God, not my rabbi, not my teacher, not my friend, not prophet, but my Lord and my God. 
And this morning, I invite you. I invite you to, to walk away from, from the fear that's keeping you from having that encounter. Now, I agree 100% that, that we need to have our own encounter. So today, will you stop living somebody else's blessings and, and, and get your own that have your name on them? And all it takes is for you to believe. Do you believe this morning? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, most living and loving God, we thank you for this message. We thank you, Father God, because we know that no one this morning heard this message by accident or coincidence, God, but this is exactly the message that you had for us to hear today, God. And Father God, today we stand here and we thank you because we know that you acknowledge, God, that the, that the disillusionment is real and that the pain of, of uh, being disappointed, the pain of being heartbroken is real. And, and, and we thank you, God, because of the way that you lovingly dealt with Thomas. You didn't chastise him because he had, he had questions. You didn't chastise him because he wanted his own experience. Instead, you demonstrated that you care. You care enough to answer our questions and to help us through that process. So we thank you for that today. And holy God, we are so excited because we know that, that you, we have everything that we need. We are the recipients of your amazing peace. And we have received the Holy Spirit because you have breathed on us. And so today, God, we thank you because we have been activated to go out and share the good news. We have been sent. And today we are ready to go. And we thank you in advance for the lives that will be touched and for those, God, that are going to come home and be able, God, to be part of a community again of believers. Heard today we hear you loud and clear, God, that we don't want to miss out on those blessings, God. And we understand the value of coming together as a community. And today, God, we're here because we believe. We thank you for your promise of a life in abundance. We thank you that even in difficult times, your word tells us you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. And we thank you because your grace is sufficient. And as we bring this service to a close, God, I pray for the prayer requests that are coming in, God. Uh, we know, God, that you're already working those prayer requests out. And the best thing that we can do for our brothers and sisters out there that are in need is to pray for them. And we do that today and we lift those prayers up to you, God. And we thank you for the testimonies that are being perfected right now. And we ask, Holy God, that you bless the tithes and the offerings that we're receiving this morning, God. That you, that you bless the giver, God. Those that are even, when they're struggling, God, they're still making it a priority to be able, God, to give back to you, God. We ask, Holy God, that every cent that we receive, God, be blessed and multiplied, God, and that every cent represent a changed life. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. I pray that this message blessed you in a mighty way. Again, I invite you to come to our website, nb-ccc.org, and, and, and be able to submit your prayer requests. Let us know that, that you are connected with us. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know, and also submit your prayer requests. But also, it's important, 
want to thank all of you that have been faithful and, and continue to support our church financially. See, this will pass and, and, and we will come together again into this building and it is important that we're able to maintain the doors of this church open. So please go to our website and, and go to the donate um, um, option and give your tithes and your offering. We thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. God bless you.